Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the A to, an A to Z of the Beatles with me, of John Beatles. Jenkinson, and my dear friend Tim Briffer. Yeah. Hi. Hi. Um, so, what we're going to do is we're going we did A last time. We we did a day in the life and uh, Apple, Apple, Alan Klein, Alan Klein, and Magic, Magic Alex. Alex. And, magic. Um, we were going to do uh, last last week. Sort of worked as a um, pilot version where we and we thought what we we're going to do is we're going to do A part one, A part two, A part three. But we're not. We're going to do A then to B. Well, yeah, because and then, yeah, and then we'll have because to if we did around. A, whatever, we just go. We'd be gone for about five years. Well, this we is the thing. So if yeah. you missed your favourite A in the last one, <laughs> just wait twenty six weeks. And <laughs> yeah, we might come around. How many, how many letters are there in the, at the alphabet? Twenty six. You kept saying twenty four. Yeah, because I said we should put X Y Z together. Ah, I thought ah, was stupid. Thinking ahead, you see. Yeah, well done. Um, shall we start? Should we go yeah. straight in there? Okay, yeah. Um, I'm just trying to think if there's anything we need to tell people, just because not everyone will have heard the last one. I, I, uh, oh, yeah, God, if you missed the last one, then, guys, well, you're going to... There isn't you, much, is there, to say, really. No, but I'm just mean, if, if you just stumble on this and you don't know what it is, uh, but it's fairly obvious for We go, uh, yeah. Um, okay. I, um, I'm I think not... the only thing to point out is that John is more of a Stone fan. I think that, that's kind of... Does that need saying? Do you know what I realised? I, I listened. To, no, no, no! no Where did you fucking start again? We were in the third. What? It's not going to get any better than this. No, stick with it. Okay. Stick with it. Okay. I listened to the last one, and there were some times I came across. Uh, there's a bit when you said when they did the um when they did their last show, and I went yeah. what on the roof. <laughs> <laughs> I just imagine all these Beatles obsessives going, "Who is this fucking idiot?" Who does? So the point is, I am not a massive, massive Beatles obsessive, but I do think the Beatles are incredible, and I think that's really important. I point that out because I think in the last one it came across that maybe I wasn't, you know, you know, massively into Religious Beatles. Enough. They are fucking brilliant. All right, they're brilliant. Not as good as the Stones, but they are brilliant. <laughs> right? Shall we start off with the eighties of the Beatles with the letter B? Okay. Now I've realised two, two. Well, well, you say that, but I've realised two, of, two of the B's that I've got actually aren't B's. Okay, that's a good start. There's Bungalow Bill, but it's Bungalow's continuing story. It's of continuing Bungalow story, Bungalow, Bungalow Bill, yeah. and also bigger than Jesus. Bigger than, well, that's that's all right. No, no, that's he quite... said we're more popular than Jesus. Yeah, it's always quoted as bigger than, but yeah. Right, then, yeah. Okay, so we're, we're going to stick with them anyway. Wrong, but okay. we, we, I all think right. we should actually start with Beatles. Beatles, yeah. Because it's a one. really bad name. Okay, yeah, that's a good point. It's a re- it's one, it, I yeah, also, but it wasn't then, you see, because then it was, it was you know, you got to see things, a lot of these things you have to see in the context of the time itself. No, but you have to see, like, the And almost everything was a reaction to stuff. They did a lot of stuff that was, like, they, you know, the fact they were in leather in the early days and then they suddenly went all in suits. It's kind of, and everyone goes, oh, yeah, they sold out. But actually the real reason for that was because it looked passe at that point because they got the, the, the leathers from Gene Vincent, which is like 1958. And, and yeah. so it had been done and they were always about doing fresh stuff. Yeah, that's always big, big thing. They didn't want to be, they always want to be ahead of the curve. And um, so Beatles as a name was a bit like that. It was kind of a, a sort of pastiche of the crickets, Bully Holly and the crickets, I think. I mean, no one quite knows where, where they got it from, but it's sort of, that's the most likely well, one. And the play on the words, you know, beat I know, with the it's A. So it's bad. It's it's like but at the beat. time, it was it's original. So no, but it's so weird. It's, it's like punk. Now. It's like you can't imagine them called anything else. I know. But, it, but at the time, it was an unusual name, and it did make them stick out. Because it wasn't like all, you know Johnny and the somethings, you know, and all the others that were going on at the time. So actually, at the time, it, it was seems unusual. like a perfect name now, but it is weird if you actually think about it. How, I, I, I still think, think it's a bit crap. I mean, in all is. honesty, it's not. It's not that. But you know, it's I don't know. It's very hard coming up with names for bands. One thing I've noticed with almost every band that you think of, almost all of them started with another name and then they had changed it. All the big bands, you know, the Stones, the Little Boy Blue, and the Blue Boys. That's which we talked about before. It's a terrible, terrible name. name. Yeah, but I think the Rolling Stones is a bad name as well. 
Uh, I love the Rolling Stones. Actually. Yeah, yeah a lot so of people that's a great do. Name. Yardbirds, I like. There's a, but yeah, but there's quite a few of these. When you look at most of them, they usually had a period where they had a name, and then they finally went, "Oh, we can't live with this anymore." Uh, and the Beatles went through a few. Quarrymen, right? Quarrymen, John and the Moon Dogs, and stuff like that. But eventually, and then the Silver Beetle and the Beatles. But they, yeah, they struggled with it. It's really hard to try. To, it's like you know, trying to. Uh, Here's name a good name the, for a band: Hula Thugs. Hula Thugs. Yeah. What's a hula thug? I, d- I t- uh, um, auto-corrected something on my phone the other day okay. to hula thugs, and I thought, yeah. that's a good name. Yeah. Um, I was listening to Noel Gallagher, that brilliant songwriter. You know oh, Noel yeah, Gallagher. Oh, yeah, the one I like so much, yeah. Um, he was talking about best best band names, and I think he's right. I think one of the best band names is Pink Floyd. I think that's absolutely it's fucking a good one, brilliant yeah. name. Yeah. That's absolutely yeah. Um, but who who came up with the name Beatles? Uh, well, again, they, 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 it wasn't really clear, because they'd, there was a... Marlon Brando film, the, the the Wild Ones, is it called? I think um, where there's a bit where they go, um, they're called ones. the Beatles, the, the the gang, the biker gang in that. It's called the Beatles. But it only gets mentioned once, but uh, they oh, say really? something. And so a lot of people say, oh, they got it from that. But it's much more likely, I think, that that it would have been from a uh, play on words from the crickets, Buddy Holly and the Crickets, who are they really into? I mean, you can't have not have known that and seen the sort of similarity and the kind of you know that kind of thing, and then to put a pun in it, which they were really into at the time a lot. Uh, makes sense. So I think it's more like that. He, and John Lennon, he did a thing about it, a joke. He always said, you know, he said, how did you get your name, Beatles? He said, oh, it came to me in a vision of, of, of someone appeared to me on a, on a magic pie, which is where Paul McCartney named his oh, album, yeah. and said, Terrible you shall be Beatles with pie. an A. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that's sort of, so it's a bit vague. So like John joked about it. No, I don't think any of them really said directly, but I think I'm pretty sure it was John's, John's suggestion, and that makes the most sense to me. Right, okay. Well, that was easy. I don't need to ask any more questions yep. about that. Do you want to do Bad Boy? Your little story about God. Bad Boy? Yeah, I, I, I kind of feel a bit, it's a bit sort of personal. But yeah, you asked about Bad Boy. I th- it's worth me saying it, actually, because it sort of, it does sort of relate. Is Because Bad Boy was a track that got me into them, personally. <clears throat> and yeah. uh, I mentioned it in the essay, but it was, for me, it was, it was literally like I was basically 11, I think. 11 yeah. and a half, something like that. At my prep school, I was an art student then. I, art was kind of mainly, I liked drawing and stuff like that. But I didn't really love it. And I just didn't really know what to do. So I, anyway, I wasn't into music. My house had no records we had a dance set type thing four records in my house that i remember that um what was it uh not val dunican there was um they, they, oh, i can't i can't think now what it was vince hill that was it vince hill's greatest hits that was about the best west side story soundtrack sort of that that that's sort of like the yeah. four records and a dance set that's literally pretty much all i had when i grew up in my house and the radio sometimes hear stuff so i'd never really heard rock and roll and then what happened was that we me and this friend were just killing a time in a lunch break at school how old were you 11 and a half something like that right and we heard that there's a rehearsing a thing for the end of year school review, you know, the comedy-ish sort of thing they used to put on every year. And so we said, oh, let's watch the rehearsals. So we sat at the back of this assembly hall and the final sort of scene uh, sketch or whatever you call it had these kind of parents saying to the, their kids, you know, these two kids, they're all played by schoolboys, so it's a bit cringy and all that. But like, all oh, right, we're off, you know, see you, see you tomorrow, make sure you don't destroy the house or whatever, you know, to be good or something like that. Yeah. And the moment they walked out the door, the kids put on, went to the record player and put on Bad Boy by the Beatles, right? And then, and then all the cast who'd been in the earlier sketches all come out to dance. That was the end scene, you know, of the review. So yeah. fun. we happened to see that. And so Bad Boy played really loud in this assembly hall. I'd never heard, well, that song or the Beatles. Well, I'd heard the Beatles. Like, what year something. Yeah, I don't know, 78, I think, 79, something like that. Yeah. So I'd never really heard. And the Beatles weren't fashionable then, which is something people don't really get anymore. They don't really understand how how unfashionable the Beatles were in the 70s. I can't conceive of really being get this. unfashionable. Uh, 
they were hugely unfashionable. They were sort of like Cliff Richard to a lot of people. They were just like, that's all gone now. It'll never come back. It was just too fresh. It was too close to the original time. And they were super uncool until John Lennon died. And then that's when the thing really changed. It wasn't quite the same in America from what I can tell. I think they still had a bit of an exotic appeal. But that's why I think John Lennon was a bit mixed up about but the Because they, they were so uncool. They? That's why everyone said was Ringo's shit did, drummer. But um, why did... On Saturday Night Live, they used to make that joke of saying, we'll give you 600 quid if John and Paul will come Because read. there was still a big story, especially there was endless stories about them reforming. That was a big but thing why, when I was a kid. Then who gave uh, f- because they, were still, they were huge. I mean, you couldn't deny they were the biggest band okay, on the Okay, they were still the biggest band. Oh, yeah. I mean, no one denied okay. that. They, but, they, but, you know, that was they had been that. And things had moved on. and they, they looked incredibly uncool. You know, when you think of this was sort of, you know the time of Led Zeppelin and whatever, you know, the Beatles sounded really naff in comparison, a week, you know. Yeah. People hadn't really had time to really sort of, you know, analyse them and, and, and sort of see the subtlety. So they're kind of dismissed as a yellow submarine, I want to hold your hand, you know, that kind of thing. That's what most people knew them as. And that's how I knew them, really. So, so then I, going back to the thing, I heard this song play. And it's loud, bad boy. And I didn't, like I said, I had a dance set, so I never heard music loud before. And for me, it was like a complete religious experience. It really was literally like that because I, I remember just getting goose pimples, shivers, you know, on my, my back and just going, it's like electricity, just like going through me. Like, like, what the fuck? It wasn't just sounding good. It was just like this fucking physical thing. And when the song ended, I then turned to the guys next to me. He's called Goddard, Mark Goddard, who we call God. And I said, what, what, do you know who that was? And, and he goes, yeah, it's the Beatles, bad boy. My mum's got it. I was like, you, she's got it? Can I come around? Can I come around and stay? You know, and anyway, so that weekend or the following weekend, he arranged it so that I went to stay with him. I didn't really know him that well, but that was the, so we went round there, and he had Bad Boy, which is off the album Oldies but Goldies. It was never a single, which is something that hit me later on. It's like my God, that amazing a song they didn't even put out as a, as a it wasn't on an album. It was a beat. Uh, sorry, it was on a an EP, I think originally, and then later on this greatest hits. Um, and he had Revolver. Uh, what was it? He had Revolver with the Beatles. Hard Day's Night, and that one, Oldies But Goldies. And so that weekend, I basically just listened to the Beatles, nothing else, just non-stop. And by the way, I started writing songs right after hearing Bad Boy. Like before, I, I didn't play guitar. I started writing songs about three days later, just in my head and writing lyrics. I just immediately was a songwriter from that moment. Yeah. So it was a complete sort of like religious experience. So that's sort of how I got into them, <clears throat> was through that one track. So that's my sort of bad boy thing. It's an amazing fucking track, but it was like a lot of these ones, you don't really appreciate them until you really hear them loud. And you just go, fucking hell, this is so exciting. Um, but yeah, yeah, I've not heard them. I've never heard the Beatles played in that context, like in a club. Well, you, yeah, you don't often hear them. They, they always play obvious tracks. You've got so many. You've got two hundred fifty songs to choose from. You're very rarely going to choose Bad Boy. You're, there's so many others that you're more likely to put on. That's the trouble. There's so many songs that you don't really ever hear. It's weird though you that having would be that great. experience because I don't think people have. You always hear about people having those experiences with um, Chuck. Um, Chuck yeah, Berry you know and- what? I I think I was really really lucky because my experience coming from the house I situation I was in you know almost no one would have been in that that situation it was very parallel to hearing Elvis in 1958 this is what I mean you know, like you I, hear, yeah uh, and it couldn't happen Chuck now Berry, because you'd have heard um, the Beatles it was so parallel going from black and white to Technicolor moments yeah absolutely like that and it's I, I'm it really grateful that I didn't hear rock and roll now, almost everyone's you know knows the Beatles at the age of four now you know and they've heard it and they know loads of tracks already and you hear it in so, you know supermarkets wherever you go you didn't back then it wasn't the same thing and also, I was in a in a small town in Sussex, you know, so there, it wasn't like that anyway. Yeah, and you've been chasing but, that initial high sorry, yeah. ever since. Well, I actually got that initial high a lot of times, but yeah, in a way, yeah. But it's yeah, that was my personal. It's funny thing. you I say. Tried, I tried not to make this personal this whole thing, but it's but it's hard to avoid because that um, one is. It's, it's funny you say. Um, 
everybody knows the Beatles now from the age of four. Do, do you think they do? Well, That's okay, what, maybe not from four. They'll have heard them. Do you think... They'll have heard How popular are the Beatles? It's really hard to gauge how popular the Beatles are. Well, I, I, I think, you know, one way you can do it is, you know... Basically, you can play almost any Beatle track. You, very few people will not have ever heard it before. What, they might not I know find it. Really interesting might, if I about music yeah. at the moment, I don't know if you watched any, saw any of the Brit Awards or no. you hear you like the sonically music has changed so in, so much over the last yeah. ten years. It's if you listen to anything in the top, you know, the Apple charts top hundred, nothing sounds like actual musicians playing musical instruments now. yeah nothing that, music is never played this is something i always sort of say about people don't realize this even with rock bands the songs you hear when you hear a song on the radio it was never ever played yeah it was assembled yeah you know what you know what i mean it's you know, even a rock band if it's Coldplay or whatever you know a rockish band or whatever it most likely they, they laid down the drums to a click yeah and then they added the the guitar and the bass and then they added the keyboards and then they added the vocals and they redid this and then, and then they you know and so it's never ever played. Whereas almost every single song in the '60s was played. What you listen to is a band in a room with a few th- bit of bit, bit of sort of you know s- glitter to sprinkle on top. But it, I, I will. What, that's I, why it's so exciting. It's going to be really interesting. You're actually to see hearing if, the excitement in the room when they did Bad Boy. They were excited. You can tell that, and you know that if you read it. They, but will people they be love able to tune into that anymore? They'll feel it. That's the thing. I mean, that's but the you, thing. That's why it'll always affect people because whether they know it or not, the reasons they will feel that excitement. Yeah, but you know when you hear those old kind of jazz records, kind of ones Woody well, Allen's always going on about. You know, yeah, they, sound, they, they suffer sound, from really being badly uh, recorded. Uh, some of them, yeah, but, yeah, that's but the compared problem. to stuff now, sonically, yeah, it's you hear, still not. You, it actually, if you actually play it in a club, it may not compare to sort of. The latest dance track because they got so much bass and stuff. But the average rock band will but still you not sound. Think kids now still listening to if you played the Beatles back to back with Coldplay. Yeah, I'm sure. It, I'm it won't sure sound old weekend, jazz enthusiasts would would have said that about. You they, know, jazz I don't know. Records. I don't think they would really because I think they accept that they're not very well recorded. Yeah, but they go oh, the, the, you know, the energy. And yeah, the well, the energy is there if you really listen to it. But it but it is buried under a lot of sort of mud, you know. But I find it really hard to listen to because I grew up listening to '90s music, so I can't, you know. Yeah. For, for me. I mean, and that's the, the stuff that actually sounds, sounds weak. If you actually listen to some of those productions, a lot of those records, they sound really badly done, a lot of them. They don't really hold up. You know, they've often got tinny sounds on them and stuff like that. The Beatles haven't really dated. Even the very earliest stuff sounds fucking thick and fat when you hear that in a club. You've listened to Please Please Me, that album. It's really sort of I just, holds I, up. I'm th- just not sure if teenagers will listen to they will. music. Yeah, I think they will. It, it, it's not got the same... But place in society music as it used to. It's not. It used to be all you had pretty much once the channels closed down at eleven thirty. You yeah. know, you, or what else do you do? You put on a record. It's so that's all you've got then. There's not even videotapes and whatever. You know, nothing to rewatch anything. You just, you know, you didn't even have video games then. You know, uh, this is before Lennon died. Say, you know, even quite after. But um, so now you've got so many other things. So it won't take that place of being this sort of primary entertainment where you just literally listen to music. And nothing else. That's sort of gone, I think. I don't, I, some people do it with headphones, but I think generally most people always do something else at the same time. It's become much more background, but the actual quality of it is it, it's, it's like Beethoven. It's just, I just don't see any reason you, why it would go away. Because what you've got to realise, though, is I was talking to my friend about Madonna um, and talking about how I think she is not going to be remembered. Yeah, I don't um, think she will. Like, be. I, She'll be I, like Cliff. She'll gradually fade out over time. She'll be in the book. If you look, you know. though, there are people who were incredibly famous in the 19... 19- uh, 40s. Yeah. Are we okay. Are we yeah. I'm just going to make sure the batteries. Okay. <laughs> um, there are people who are incredibly famous in the 40s who 
no one remembers now. Yeah, because they weren't recorded. That's the problem. But the ones who go, once you've no, got their the times of decent recording, their films still exist. They're, you know. Yeah, I'm but d- they were they had very bad quality then. Now at a certain point we hit pretty but much fame decent. Doesn't, fame doesn't sort of it do, you don't accrue an amount of fame and then gradually that dissipates. You do over time. No, you do depending on if you if you're hyped or not. If you're no, genuine, because you can hype a band into fame, you can hype an artist, but, but, and someone more based on hype than others, and especially on looks, you know. No, but I'm saying, I'm saying that someone like Madonna, who was incredible, one of the most famous people in the planet, yeah. 25 years ago, yeah. I can imagine in 25 years' time, people won't even, you know, teenagers won't even know who she is. I think that's correct. So it doesn't. What I mean is, frame, fame doesn't book, dissipate the... in the same way for everybody. You don't accrue this 100 percent of fame, and then gradually over time, you go down to 80 percent. Yeah, yeah. You know, so it, it's entirely possible that something could happen musically, and the Beatles could just dis- disappear. No, I don't. I don't really think so. I mean, you can't. You know, a nuclear bomb might arrive. You know, failing is something like crazy. I, I don't see any reason because it's the same reason why Beethoven remains popular and Shakespeare remains popular. Yeah, but there popular. are other, there are other, there are other classical composers around when Beethoven was around. Yeah, but again, that, 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 that was mainly the problem that they weren't recorded. That they, that, that they, you know, they, that, that's true. I'm sure a lot of there could be others. Because people like Anthony good. Newley, you know, <laughs> yeah, hugely famous. And then yeah, but again, if you actually look at what they got, you can see time is at like the great leveler, really, when it comes to art. Because really, the kind of the average talents fall by the wayside because you're always getting new stuff all the time. The, the, the total amount of rock and roll is going to get bigger and bigger, and bigger every day, obviously. Um, so people, have, you know, they're not going to. The, the average talents are going to be more or less weeded out over time unless they're current you know, if, they're, if they're a current artist they'll listen to Harry Styles because he's current but he's not going to last you know once he's gone once he's gone fat and bald he's going to be gone you know once because that's his main selling point yeah. as far as I can see I don't really know any of his records to be frank but but you know if, if they were any good I think I'd have heard them um, and you know that's now so what he's going to be like in 25 years time you know, it, it's very unlikely he's going to be, be like there. David Essex well, David Essex did actually make some good records, actually, but 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 not enough to really kind of cement his. his Harry status. Styles made a couple of good records. Well, maybe he did. I can't really say. But but the Beatles made two hundred and fifty, so that's very hard to match. So you can go through loads of bands and find. I agree, but culture is you know. very hard to predict, and some things it doesn't I matter. Don't know. When I, that I, good. I just worry just, that people will. It doesn't, listen to the recording and go. I don't know what. Yeah, this it doesn't, doesn't sound like music. It just doesn't matter Fine. because because it All just right. it's just so visceral. You look at it on kids. If the fact of me at, at eleven. Uh, you know, I wasn't something unique. You know, that's why everyone, the whole of America yeah, know, went you were, nuts yeah, the moment you hadn't heard. heard, heard you, your ears hadn't attuned themselves to It doesn't matter because it's the excitement. Is, I'd heard other stuff. I'd heard modern stuff that was on the radio then. But when I heard that, that was just the, the excitement in that one track. Fine. You know, I, that's the thing you can't replace. The harmonies, the amount of musical interest that's going on in those tracks. You can re-listen to them over and over and still discover stuff that you hadn't noticed. Magical sort of things, that are patterns and stuff in the background or harmonies that you, you didn't notice because you're focused on the lead vocal. And suddenly at some point, once you've heard it loads of times, you, 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 you sort of drift off and you kind of focus on the, the the bass guitar line or something and you go oh my god I hadn't realised how fucking extraordinary that bass yeah, line yeah. how many records can you do that with you know most of them you've heard everything you've absorbed it all within three hearings there's, there's no surprises in there like Madonna there's no surprises once you've got over the, the basic hook what, what are you going to discover buried on a fucking Madonna record fuck all quite agree you know what I mean Bungalow Bill <laughs> yeah. even though it's the continuing story of Bungalow Bill I wanted to do a th- thing for Viz, actually. I was going to send, you know, I've written a couple of little comic bits for Viz, yeah. uh, spoof articles, and I wanted to do one about that sort of an expert warns Beatle biographers that they're running out of songs that you can name their books after, because you know, every book is like Ticket to Ride, you know, yeah, sort yeah. Of Can't Buy Me Love, The Beatles on the Road, or whatever, you know. So, and I was thinking that they're down to song, 10 songs left, and one of them is <laughs> the continuing story of Bungalow Bill. <laughs> <laughs> and so they're trying to find, so the publishers are desperately trying to find some a builder called Bill, <laughs> you know, who can do his life story. <laughs> 
but um yeah uh so the continuous what do i know about that it's got yoko on it ah who we love i think we'll be coming to yoko in a or show you actually it's probably one of the only ones but it really suits it actually it went out she went out time uh, tiger hunting with her elephant and gun in case of accidents he always took a mum what's the line that she sings i can't even think what it is but she goes she sings this kind of little line and it sounds like a little child sort of singing it. and it actually sort of works in the context but i don't know what to say about that song i don't think i've got anything particularly of interest other than that it was, i think it's a bit of a throwaway one for me it's a bit of a sort of an exercise in can i write a story song by paul kind of thing um, yeah move on yeah I'm trying to think of it was Paul. It was John, wasn't it? Yeah, what am I saying? But anyway, it doesn't. It doesn't. It doesn't feel like a throwaway. Fine, good. I'm glad we kept that one short. Yeah, I think that's important to do that. We should try. Right, I should try. Then let's do bigger than Jesus. <sighs> bigger than Jesus. I, I, what can I say? I mean, well, I think, I'm sure anyone who listened to this would know the thing. I mean, he said it in 1966, I think, to Maureen Cleave of the Evening Standard. He just he'd read a book on. Uh, on I don't know what about Jesus's life. John Lennon, John Lennon had, sorry, had read a book on Jesus's life, and it had sort of it's just like telling it as the, uh, Jesus the man kind of thing, and talking yeah. about his disciples or whatever. And he in this interview said something, you know, I, I kind of, you know, I don't, you know, I'm all right with Christianity. It's just his disciples were a bit thick and ordinary or something, which is actually quite a good quote. That's not the one they've seized on. Yeah. But he he pointed out that it was going to die and fade like the Beatles. The you know, in fact, he said the opposite. He said the Beatles were going to go around. He's kind of correct when you look at it. I mean. Uh, and he said how ridiculous it was, really, that the Beatles were bigger than Jesus. <clears throat> and, and, you know, if you read that in context, that's kind of a pretty, you know, just a sort of thing you might point out and say. But and then it and sort of didn't, you know, pick up any, you know, complaints in England when it ran out in the Evening Standard. Yeah. I mean, one of the problems with now, of course, is everything's forever. In those days, that paper was in the bin the next day. It was, it was you know, yesterday's fit, tomorrow's chip wrapping or whatever yeah. they say. But, um, which is a really good thing that you can forget these things. But anyway, yeah. someone in, in America picked it up when they went over there to do their 1966 tour and sort of suddenly it hit the Bible belt, suddenly went round that, oh, the, you know, John Lennon said that they're bigger than Beatles. Very modern phenomenon, really, of uh, yeah. something going viral like that. Something. Well, there were some other examples, but yeah, yeah, I suppose so. Yeah, that's true, because it did take time. And then, of course, so then, uh, so it caused an outrage in America in the Bible belt when they, they just arrived to do a tour. Um, and they were terrified... Because they, th- you know, they're death threats against John Lennon, and they didn't know how, you know, they they took him seriously. In fact, there was a, there was a point to give an example of how they felt. Apparently, on the second to last gig or something, someone threw a firecracker on the stage, uh, and they all turned to look at John and the band because right. they thought he'd been shot. I mean, that's how worried they were. And they'd also just escaped nearly being killed in the Philippines at that time. That's a good story. Yeah, that's crazy. I, you know, they were really the amount of stresses that they dealt with, and on top of everything else, amazing to have death threats as well as all doing all the other shit they're doing. It's just another day for them, you know. Yeah. But it must have been really fucking worrying, really, at that point, because anyone could have brought out a gun. It wasn't like there was anything, you know, security checks on sort of that sort of stuff. Someone literally could have done. In fact, they, like I say, they literally did say we're going to get them, you know. Yeah. Um, but, but going back to the viral thing, I, I was thinking that one of the reasons I have such a problem with sort of cancel culture and stuff is that if the Beatles had existed. Now, I mean, they would have been cancelled in 1963, basically, for the sort of stuff they've said in interviews and whatever. Well, John Lennon... John Lennon would his, never have survived. I mean, he would have wife. been just... Uh? He hit his wife. Well, he? yeah, that, that sort of probably he would have been able to get away with. Do you know, no, no, other do, stuff. Do you know what? There was Only one... No, 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 no. There was, I, this is really... I, I, there, was, there was a... Um, I saw a picture of him kneeling, giving flowers to Yoko. That was on his official Twitter feed. There's a picture of him kneeling and holding... Who kneeling? Sorry. John Lennon kneeling, kneeling and holding Yoko. Yoko some flowers oh, yeah. as a photograph that was tweeted 
um, from his official Twitter account. And underneath it, there were several posts saying, um, oh, st- um, oh, how lovely for, from a wife beater. Oh, yeah, they always do that. There's always some little smart ass who goes on, yeah, he's a wife beater, serial wife beater, they always call him. It wasn't a serial oh. wife beater. There was only one ever real evidence. Uh, he only did example. it twice. Well, no, actually, it's only once, according to his wife. I mean, it's in her book. Cynthia says he hit her on one occasion. And he immediately was profusely apologised and said, I won't do it again. And she said he never did. That's the only evidence there is of him hitting a woman. He, he called himself a wife beater in, in an interview in 1971, the Rolling Stone one. He referred to himself. But he, he made all sorts of sweeping statements that were kind of, you know, it's, it's almost like he's his worst sort of critic at times. And you think, you know, and he might have done, he might have hit other people, but that's, you know, his wife said it once and once only. And, you know, that was it. That's the only real document. He did beat up a guy. Um, pretty badly and he did you know he had a violent side but in terms of women who did he beat up Bob Wooler the Cavern G- uh, DJ uh, who it was after he'd come back from a holiday in Spain with Brian Epstein or Epstein as he actually wanted to be known um, and there were accusations going around Liverpool that they, they had a gay fling and Bob Wooler mentioned it at a party I think it's at Paul McCartney's birthday party and John laid into him and, and fucking really did some damage, I think. Yeah. And that made the Daily Mail. That's what I mean about these stories. There's the, these sort of things that would have cancelled these people. There's, you know, I mean, the one that gets me, and there's lots of things that they, they would have been cancelled for. I mean, obviously, some of it's part of the time. But, but I mean, one that I find hilarious in a way is that, you know, when they played Germany, they did Z Kyle sort of, <laughs> in March, Z Kyle to the German, you know, outside the hotel. You know, they had thousands and thousands of fans outside. Yeah. He, he does a Nazi salute, but you know, uh, to them, which is really fucking... <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, it's hilarious. And everyone sort of saw it. It's like, wow, well, yeah. They, they, they laughed, you know. They did. Yeah. They knew he was pissing about. Mm. But you imagine doing that now. You'd just be, that'd be the end of you. I mean, and I mean, what gets you me... you saying that on this podcast and laughing I about know, it... I know, it'd be the end of me. If it's I the end of you. I know, I know. Well, I don't give a shit. I wasn't I mean, laughing, by the way. Yeah, that was t- yeah. yeah, I've learned from my mistakes. <laughs> um, I'm taking time out from this podcast in the next five seconds <laughs> to reflect on my behaviour. Um, but yeah, what, what got to me is that, they, you know, with the cancel culture and all this kind of crap is that they, they would have cancelled him or they'd have silenced him. He wouldn't have dared speak in the way he did. And that would have neutered him. And, not, and what I really, I'm going off on a tangent, but it's, it is relevant, is that, you know, that would have probably happened. Or he, like I say, he, at the very least, if he'd come out now, he'd have had to pull his punches and go, well, I won't talk about that. I won't admit this. I, I, I'll be yeah. silent about this. Or I'll play safe. So he wouldn't have had the real John Lennon. But the other thing is that when you cancel these people, it's like, you know, look at what came with John Lennon later. He became, you know, the biggest advocate of, of women's rights and, and peace yeah. that you've ever had in rock and roll, apart yeah. from maybe Bob Marley, maybe peace. But um, so you'd never had that. You'd never had the pro-peace movement if you'd cancelled him at the time where he admitted he'd hit it Cynthia. Yeah. You know, so it's like that's why you you've got to give people just another chance, and you've got to because those people who make mistakes are often the people who become the I mean, the best, the, the biggest advocates against their own behaviour. And he said, right. yeah, I mean, and he just... said it himself. He said that you know the reason he was so pro peace was because he knew he had a violent side, and it's something he wrestled with. Mm. Um, you know, it's, it's so like fucking hell, you know, so appalling to think that that, that would be the you know not only would have missed out on the Beatles, but we'd also missed out on on all those peace movements and the women's rights stuff. Yeah, you know, which I think is a bit of a you know, dork on us slightly on that one myself. A bit, you know, he went over the top a bit on some of it, but, yeah, yeah. Um, but you know, for most people, I think it's a great thing. Yeah, and it's um, yeah, we're totally fucked. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 That's why we've got so much shit music right now because you know you can't have your rock stars and expect them to be larger than life if you also want them to be sort of like a normal person. Rock stars did used to be larger than life, yeah. even in the nineties. They wanted it. They were like yeah. Batman. That was the whole idea. They were. It's showmanship. These, yeah, you know, it's like that's the idea. You don't want them to be just like you. Yeah. And if they're going to be just like you, you want them to be sort of 
dirty and just like you and he's still on an extreme sort of thing um oh, you touched i had a bigger than jesus thing end by the way how did they uh, uh he had to make an apology i mean he did and god man i feel for him when you see the press conference because he's forced into it because they they, they knew that you know this is just it got out of hand well i think epstein really i think he sort of the, probably the band themselves they kind of went this has got you were know. they still in the states when he uh yeah i think they were in the states when he made the apology and he he he, 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 he he's like forced into it it's like you know like I say it was that or they were risking being shot you know there was a quite likely chance that they, they could have been and so they had to do something it wasn't going away so he made they were sort of forgiven, an apology they, well they never were well mark chapman still used it as the but one of the reasons he said that he killed him for did was he? because well it's in among the, the various things he changed his mind about what why he did it but it's one of them was because he said it's that moment because he was a Christian Mark Chapman I didn't know that I, I shouldn't say his name but there's a kind of general etiquette among Beatles fans not to use the guy's name but anyway because, oh, well because they said that he wanted fame that's another thing he said that you know so you don't no one really wants to give him that fucking pleasure but but uh, but yeah um, so he uh, so he's forced into an apology and he sort of said uh, what was it I'm sorry, you know, it's taken wrong, you know, or I said it wrong, or, you know, he does this kind of, you know, he pulls his punches that he doesn't, he doesn't really want to admit he did something wrong because he knew darn well he hadn't done anything wrong. I mean, what he should have said is like, if I'd said, he said, you know, I could have said the TV or something, but I said Beatles. What he should have said, I should have, and it's true, he should have just said the Rolling Stones because that would have taken the heat off him. It's not like saying I'm bigger. And it would have made exactly the same point. Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, but you know, poor bastard. You know, he had fucking every, all the press conference. You know, he, that must be terrifying to have the whole world. But did it, it die apart from apart well, from it, him it, getting shot? Like I said, did it sort of die down? Yeah, it initially? did die down basically. But they stopped touring right after it. It's but, funny because so now that was you part one of the reasons they stopped apologizing isn't a good idea. Usually. No, they never. They, it's never enough for most people. They're just fucking yeah. cunts. I mean, they they they, they don't really care about the issue anyway it's just an excuse to fucking beat up on someone but i think the christian right probably did care about that I think yeah a bit were. but if they really cared about it they'd have read his words you know and and you know he didn't say that you know he said jesus was good yeah you know? they're being told by yeah you know. i mean yeah you're right in a way they, they you know you religious fundamentalists it's of another kettle of fish really but yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Mm. um you talk you, you touched my um briefly on um what happened to them when they were in um, Philippines? The Philippines, yeah. That's I only found crazy. that out the other day. That's fucking insane. Yeah, that was crazy because they went to play Philippines yeah. just before they did America. Yeah. I think. I, I I always say this, like I may get some facts wrong, so if you know you're free free to correct me in the comments if, if you you know if I have I don't want to put around misinformation. But yeah, as I I think that basically it's just before that they'd done Manila. Um and they didn't really understand what was going on and basically they were getting all these invites. So they're meant to be playing Philippines or whatever. And they were just fucking exhausted, you know, and just being giggy. And at some point they got a request from uh, Imelda Marcos to come and visit them. Yeah. And a request in the Philippines is not a request. Yeah. <laughs> and, but they didn't get that. So, yeah. um, so they basically said something like, you know, the boy, well, Brian said, I'm afraid the boys need to sleep in that morning or something like that. Uh, but you know, they did not realizing the implications of that. You know, he's trying to give them a bit of time off. Um, and you know real not realizing this is an order and basically then the tv basically sort of ran the story that that the beatles had snubbed imelda marcos and that there were all these people kids with cancer who'd uh, you know come to meet them and the heartless <laughs> beatles had fucking snubbed them so 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 they switch on their tv and go oh my god what the fuck's going on we're suddenly shit we're, we're yeah. and we're stuck in fucking manila in this fucking police state you know yeah um, so then they realise, oh shit, we've got to fucking get the fuck out of here, <laughs> right? <laughs> so they get to the airport, and suddenly they realise that the security just sort of said, sort of, sort of, right, we're not going to give you your security, so good luck, boys. You know, with all these fans who are out to sort of kill them, yeah. you know, or a lot of people, and it's just yeah. chaos. So they so they literally had to, I think they had to hire an, hide in a laundry van or something like that to get into the airport, and they finally get onto the airport 
onto the runway. They're about to leave, and then suddenly they get some someone shows up and says, "Right, you owe us the tax for the gig or something like that," and gives them some bill. And I, th- I think maybe Epstein or someone, I think maybe had to pay them in cash, even though they knew they were being completely fleeced. They lost all the money from their gigs and whatever. It's just a complete shakedown. But it's just like. You know, that's it. And the, basically, Brian Epstein was, you know, he was so protective of the Beatles. I mean, you know, he's a lovely guy, I think, from mm. everything I've seen. And, you know, he really felt mortified that he put their lives at risk. So he was like, shit, you know, I was kind of responsible for that. They really did think they were going to fucking get killed. Yeah, you know? there's, a, there's a sort of mini documentary on YouTube about it. It's really fucking frightening. Yeah. It's yeah. really crazy to think about it's, that. It's amazing. Now. It's, it's, it's extra- extraordinary. Yeah. Some of the shit that they did in general was extraordinary, I find, like how unorganised it was considering their stage. Like if you see the one that, when they arrive in America, the first gigs they did in like Washington. Yeah. They are, they are moved, they're, they're, they play, I think it's Washington, that they, they're playing, I think it's a round stage with the audience all around them. So what they used to do, they'd move after every three songs so they'd be facing the other yeah. sort of section of the audience. But, so they'd move all their gear, right? But... Um, they did it themselves. They had like maybe one roadie. <laughs> it's the Beatles. It's like imagine Madonna moving her amp or something like that, helping move the drum kit. Yeah. You know, it's like that level. It's like, didn't you think to hire someone to help out? You know? But they didn't, in those days, everything was kind of so new. No, I guess no one was playing those kind of level gigs hardly. And, you know, but it's just amazing how badly organized it was. But yeah, anyway, so Epstein felt really bad about that. And then they faced the, the, the bigger than God stuff in America yeah. so basically all in all that was a big reason why they quit touring at that point plus the fact they couldn't hear themselves on stage and stuff like that but that was th- those two events were major as to why they quit so which is also actually in their way was a, a blessing in disguise when did they quit touring 1966 19- Candlestick Park I think was the last gig I think it's 66 what was going on in 1969 as far as live shows so they managed to could they have done a Big tour, but could they have done? Well, I'm just talking. They, the, yeah. the stones started hanging the amplifiers, didn't they? It was getting that changed everything. Well, yeah, I'm trying to think when. I mean, you know, Stones did put Hyde Park in '69, was it? '69. Oh uh, yeah, it's still pretty. I mean, it's still pretty it? ropey yeah, when you yeah. look at the, what they've got on stage. It's yeah, in Wem, Wem speaker cabinets. It's, I don't think they really sussed out how I to would do it yet. Fucking, I I know it's good they broke up in 1969, 1970, and didn't sort of humiliate themselves. But I would fucking kill to see a parallel universe like. The Beatles play Wembley Stadium '87. I would fucking love to have seen that. Yeah, John Lennon didn't die. They come. Well, that's my them. other essay. Yeah, I got another essay in my. It's on the website if anyone's interested. But if what, s- what if it had been Yoko? <laughs> and it's a parallel universe where, where John survives it, and you know Yoko's been assassinated. And everyone has to sort of pretend not to be happy. <laughs> Get back and then, although I didn't include Live Aid, but because I, I couldn't kind of work it into the story quite, but yeah, I mean, yeah, it would have been. I think they'd have. I don't think they'd have played together. I think Paul McCartney would have played America, you know, the Philadelphia Live Aid. John would have played London, or the other way around, and then they'd have got back together in about 1987. But I told you, in, well, in the story, it's like the two of them get together as the Nurk Twins, which was their original name. Right. They did some gigs in the pubs in. In England. This is your fantasy of why. Yeah. yeah, so they do a they do a rock and roll covers album together, which which nearly would have fucking happened if it nah. was not for Yoko. No, they'd have they'd have, they'd have that's the sort of thing I could imagine them doing. They'd have because they'd like have Genesis. known the pressure would have been so big for them. Anything that they recorded as a four piece would have been held to the same standards as as everything they'd done before. And I think the nerves would have just they would have done it. that. You know, Eric Clapton's suit, eighties suit, with rolled <laughs> the Armani up sleeves. The Armani. Yeah. They'd have all been wearing those. <laughs> they'd have had their long hair. <laughs> And they'd have played Wembley They, they probably had different haircuts. That's the thing. They, one of them had short Ringo hair. One of them had long lot. hair. One yeah. might have had a ponytail. They'd been just like really ropey. They wouldn't have looked in. And, yeah. You know, yeah, they'd look very middle aged. But they uh, synths. Oh, God. Of course. Yeah, no, they'd probably have some extra players with them. Yeah. Yeah, they'd have synths and a, yeah, and a brass so. section. 
DX7 uh, yeah. Yeah, Yamaha synthesizer. Yeah. I would fucking love Imagine to that. see that. Yeah. <laughs> and everyone goes, you blew it. You you spoiled our image. <laughs> our, our memories are destroyed now. <laughs> and they'd have obviously like, you know, the Stones and the Beatles, a rival. Really uh, the rivalry between the Stones and the Beatles would have carried on through the 90s as they both just went on these mega tours. Oh, God. Thank God. Thank God that didn't oh, happen. I'd love to have seen it. Fucking love to have seen it. Uh, do you want to see Brian Epstein? Uh, yeah, what can I say about him? Um, well, he's their manager, uh, and it's pronounced Epstein, and he got always annoyed that everyone called him Epstein, but it never got corrected, really. He's still known as Epstein. Brian Epstein. Well, everyone knows Epstein. now they're calling him Epstein because of Jeffrey Epstein. Epstein. I think that's actually starting to, because it sits better. Oh, well, it's, that's you know, it's every cloud. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> At least. I don't know what to say about him. Well, what do you want to know about him? I mean, there's a lot of things, you, you know, what do, you, what do you say? He's their manager, he was Jewish, he was gay. That, that covers it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And he's dead, and he and killed himself. So oh, you could talk about his death. Whether, barbiturates. Yeah, Another whether it's accidental or not, was, is it sort of a bit, a bit uh, unsure. Yeah. yeah. I mean, there is some murkiness with a lot of these sort of... This is an unbelievably stars. depressing episode, by the way. I don't know if you picked up on that. Yeah, it might yeah. be just the mood in the air at the moment. I don't know, but yeah. Well, do you think all the, all the topics are... Yeah, yeah, they're down. really depressing. Are they? Okay. Well, <laughs> yeah, the next should, one's really depressing as well. Dwell on it's fine. Then. There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. Let's talk about Jeffrey Epstein. Died in Warbleson as well. Brian Epstein. Yeah. Well, I mean, I don't know what. You, I mean, thing is, I mean, yeah, he was he was a tragic character actually. The odd thing is also how old he looked because I mean, you know, he's only about twenty eight yeah, when he died. I saw the, and you think of him as about forty, I think. You think of him as like older manager. I know it's funny how people but, looked yeah, older then. Yeah, for some it's really shocking, and of course, because he, he always seemed much older than them as well. Yeah, I know. Oh, Brian, he's only. I don't know what to do. He's you know. He can't be more than what was he? Thirty one? Was he when he died? I think so. Yeah, I might have got it wrong, but and what's they would have been about twenty five, so six years or something. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's not that much, but no. to then it's a, that's a massive difference. Then, yeah. So where did he come from? What? How did he? When well, did he's he start? Just a Liverpool, uh, it's ri- rich family that had a sort of they ran a, a Nems. Uh, it was a music store that basically sold pianos and sort of sheet music and all sorts of stuff. Didn't, and he was there sort of put in there by his dad or something like that. And then he suddenly sort of decided he wanted to sign up a rock and roll band. You know. Uh, he was a bit of a sort of sad character. He'd gone to drama school. I think he'd failed or something. He'd dropped out. He'd been done for importuning, uh, so that they knew that. They, uh, right. Because he basically liked picking up um, a bit rough in the toilets, you know, and that sort of stuff. A bit of rough trade. Yeah. He was into that, which in those days it was it was illegal. I mean, being gay. Mm. So he he battled with that on on the legality and also just the public shame of it, you know. That so he had to hide. So it. he was so caught. He'd, he'd been caught. There'd been something. I can't remember which one it was with a soldier, beef eater or something like that. He'd um, he'd had something with. I, th- I think they'd they'd try to blackmail him or something like that. But anyway, so he got into start this 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 nasty business we won't talk about in the family. Yeah, uh, you know. And then and then when he wanted to sign the rock and roll band, he found them. You know, he wanted to do something different or whatever. And in fact, I don't even know if he really had decided he wanted to sign a rock and roll band, but he ended up seeing them on a recommendation because he had some someone had come to the shop and ordered this, this uh, record, my Bo- my Bonnie by the Beatles, and he hadn't heard them, and he took pride in the fact that he was offering the best service and right. so he goes well you know i want to check out this band that's and um checked them out at lunchtime at the cavern and sort of fell in love probably literally to an extent yeah and uh, then yeah i think then he told his family that he wanted to re- manage this band and they probably just thought oh no brian it's another one of his things you know and uh and little do they know you know it would become his making and you know he I, one thing i think is that you know he's kind of forgotten how important he is in the story really because he only just you know they might have not even fucking made a record if it was not for him really because i mean they couldn't get a deal they'd 
pretty much got to the, the limit of how far they could push it in Liverpool. They, they're very hard to sort of break out of Liverpool. Liverpool is not on the map in those days. I mean, right. you had to be sort of a London band or based in London to have a chance. All the labels were in London. And he tried to, he would go down to sort of try to get them signed whenever he had a free weekend, I think, or something like that. You know, go down to the London labels. And they all rejected him. You know, he'd say, oh, they're, doing, they're big in Liverpool. They go, well, who cares about Liverpool? I remember watching Richard Madeley interviewing someone who turned down the opportunity to sign the Beatles. Was that Alan Williams, maybe? I can't remember. Or, or the guy from Decca? He just couldn't, he couldn't yeah. comprehend that this guy had not signed the Beatles. You see <laughs> this guy getting more and more frustrated. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah, yeah, I know, I know. I didn't know they were the fucking Beatles. The thing is, you can't fully blame them. If you listen to the Decca demos that they did, I mean, they, they, there's promise in there, but they really weren't great until Ringo joined. That's when they became great, from all the recordings, sort of, all the, the accounts. I think that's when they really got together. So... Um, he saw it before that. He saw, it. and they also weren't writing songs then. That's something that's amazing. Yeah. So he signed them, but they were just a covers band, really. But he was even at that time he was telling everyone they're going to be bigger than Elvis. So he saw something just in their characters, really, yeah. and the excitement they gave just doing covers. So the fact he believed in them so much, mm-hmm. and then went down to Liverpool, got rejected by everyone, and only got them signed, according to the official story, that because he popped into a, a cutting room to get, to get copies of the demo that they'd done, having been rejected by Decca and told guitar yeah. groups on the way out, they still had the tapes from that thing. So he got made some uh, lacquers, some acetates at a cutting place on Oxford Street. And the guy happened to say, well, have you tried George Martin at Abbey Road? He's, he's, uh, he's, he's, he, it's a comedy label, Parlophone, that he's running. He's, he's, but he's looking for a it's rock a and roll label? band. A comedy label. Oh, Parlophone's okay. a comedy label. Right, okay. That George Martin was in charge of the goons and stuff like that. Okay. Spike Milligan and those yeah, kind of records. Yeah. Novelty records. He'd done that, but he wanted to spread his wings and uh, sign a rock band. More than Epstein, I said that about Epstein. It's really well, Martin who actually wanted to, yeah. And so he's kind of nudged in that direction. So he, he took him to there. It's a bit murky the story about what really happened about how George Martin got involved because this new book, Tune In, that came out five years yeah. ago, Mark Lurson, which is this this one that we talked about in the last yeah. episode. It's like one thousand five hundred pages just bef- up until the first record, just the early days before they even made a record. And he goes into the details of that contract and what really happened. And according to him, it was much more complex the story. And George Martin wasn't really the guy that signed them, really. <laughs> But he did sort of take him over. Right. But anyway, either way, it was basically Epstein was fucking, you know, you know, I don't know what he'd have done if he'd gone on any longer. Because once you've been turned down, there weren't that many labels. So once you've been turned by, down by them all, you're fucked. That's it. The band may as well just give up. And they, yeah. were, and they, they nearly gave up before then as well. They came back from Hamburg one time, didn't even see each other for a few weeks. I mean, they were so, you know, it's like, you know, there were, there were quite a, another occasion where John then nearly fired... Paul as well not exactly fired but just said yeah, you either got to give up your job or you did it full time or, or not you know? yeah. there were a few moments in their history early on where you could have seen it could have not happened at all lots of little things at various points and then it continues throughout the whole story this as well when you get to how they played America you know it was, it was basically tiny coincidences that nearly didn't happen the fact they played the Ed Sullivan show when they did was only because of a chance meeting Ed Sullivan happened to arrive in uh, London on a visit through uh and because they weren't, you know, they're unknown in America. Yeah. They, they, they'd released several records. None of them had, they'd all flopped. And Ed Sullivan happened to come in up on a plane journey, saw all these fans who were waiting at the airport. He's, he's held up because they were all waiting to, to, for the Beatles to arrive from a TV show they'd done in Sweden. And he said, what the fuck's going on here? And so he went, my God, there's a phenomenon going on in London, in England. And so then he then, I can't remember exactly how it worked, but he spoke to Epstein and so said, you know, you can have the... Um, you know, I want them on the show. And he said, and he held out and said, well, we'll only do it when they're number one in America. And he managed to then talk th- their American label capital into finally getting behind their next single, which is the fifth single in Britain, I Want to Hold Your Hand. 
and actually said, look, you've got to back this, you know, because up until then, they just, just, they just released them and not promoted them. Yeah. Whatever. And he finally got them to sign and go, okay, all right, we'll actually promote this. And the moment they fucking started to really push it, it fucking went like fucking like, like a bomb immediately. And suddenly it was just, you know, number one, like, you know, like nothing else. In fact, they're the top five, number one, number two, number three, number four, number five, are all Beatles songs. I mean, it's just unbelievable, you know. And this was right after Kennedy had died. So it's like the timing of that, where they're all really depressed about the Kennedy assassination. And suddenly the Beatles appear. And suddenly yeah. there's a the yeah, phenomenon yeah. from London, England, rather. Um, these mop tops with these funny accents, you know, and all singing happy songs. And they're really funny. And I mean, what that must have been like in that atmosphere for them to suddenly come at that moment and suddenly take the top five. And they still hadn't played America. So they still hadn't seen them. And then suddenly, because of the deal they'd had with um, Ed Sullivan then they said right okay they're now number one we want to do the show so then he and they also said that we want to headline the show that's part of the, I think was part of the deal so they said we're not going to play America unless we headline the biggest TV show in America and we and so it's like and it's really ballsy yeah. yeah and they fucking stuck to it and then they fucking so he, they did it so he gave them the headline start and they did in fact two weeks running I think they got the headline in the following episode as well and so then their first appearance was to the biggest TV audience ever in American history and it's so so such a phenomenon that that crime in New York actually went down to the lowest levels that had been since the nineteen twenties because even the hoodlums were fucking. Okay. <laughs> you, know? <laughs> you know, I mean, the the, the, the effect on the, the the nation's psyche for that to happen at once, which is something again you don't see anymore with the internet. Things don't happen at once. In those days, if something came yeah. on, everyone watched Top of the Pops. Everyone who liked music watched it every week. You know, so if you saw David Bowie or someone like that on and it's an amazing performance, everyone's talking about it the next day on the, ch- yeah. in the playground. You know, and so for everyone to see. The Ed Sullivan Show, who was interested in music. I mean, it must have just gone, my God, you know, life is never going to be the same again now. From now on, yeah. it's, it's post-Beatles, you know, yeah. before Beatles and post-Beatles or whatever. Um, and that's sort of, yeah. So Epstein, yeah, I mean, his part in the story is just, you can't, you know, such a great character. The only thing is he's, he's kind of sort of, not bad mouthed, but he's, he's discredited a bit because he fucked up on their deals uh, with the merchandise. He made one big mistake. What did he do with the merchandise? Well... <clears throat> It's not really his fault, but it looks really bad. He basically was approached by a company that said, we want to take over the merchandise. I think when they arrived in America, actually, probably, an American company. And said, what kind of deal do you want? And he goes, well, I couldn't, I couldn't take any less than 10%, right? Not realizing that that was the sort of kind of sort of thing you might have done with a record deal. But with merchandise, you know, they're not fronting any money. It's not like a record label that has to invest in you and do all this stuff. Yeah. He could have asked for 90%, right? I mean, that would have been more like it, but he didn't know. But, I mean, you can't really blame him. Everything's so new then. Plus, no one was really well, doing merchandise. merchandise? Yeah. Well, they did Beetlewigs. They had tons of stuff. I mean, no, no, before. Yeah. Oh, sorry, before though, that. Yeah. Well, you'd have had Elvis probably. But I don't think even with him there's that much. But with the Beatles, their merchandise would have made them fucking so much fucking money if they'd had 90% of that instead of their shitty royalty they had with EMI and how long did they have this deal I'm not really sure but long enough to kill you know last most of their career Fuck. I know I know I don't know if the Beatles knew it at the time just how much he'd screwed up but he knew it Fuck. yeah I know and he's often put down for that but there's, a, there's also a very interesting um, there's a great guy on a forum um, called Bob Olson who works for Motown Records who's on a music forum uh, one called Gear, Gear Sluts it's now called Gear Space because it got changed three weeks ago because political correctness um, anyway well, they got pressurised and shame incredibly offensive I know I know Jesus. I can barely bring myself to look at it you just said it on this podcast I know anyway Gear Space as it's now called there's a great guy on there who's, who worked at Motown called Bob Olson and he yeah. always comes in because he was an engineer throughout the whole thing but he has a lot of respect for Epstein and he, he always comes in with some original point. It's amazing how he sort of somehow comes up with something I've never even thought of. But he pointed out that their, their bad deals were actually good for them because what happened is that they had such shitty record deals, but everyone had shitty deals, but it meant that the people who publicised them really wanted them to make it because they knew they were going to make a fortune themselves. 
so they went all out to go you know i can have 90 percent of this you know they were getting yeah so they they publicized and he said that actually it kind of broke them you know that's probably the it's case an interesting angle on it. as well yeah i think like there's a lot of these cases that yeah. that's the thing if you if you fight for a really good deal for yourself they might go well fuck it, i'm not gonna really push him I'm not going to make that yeah. much anyway. Yeah, yeah, it's, a, it's counterintuitive, but it, it was interesting when he said that. Yeah, that's yeah. very true. <laughs> um, we were getting a little bit too celebratory. We're now doing the, um, you know, they got screwed over with the um, yeah. with the deals. It's in keeping with this particularly depressing, depressing episode. Um, let's just let's just talk about um, Brian Epstein killing himself, uh, dying, just, yeah. just to bring it back to uh, the level that we're at today. Yeah, yeah, in keeping with the mood. Uh, what can I say? I mean, he, he overdosed. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to think about it directly. I he'd sort of gone away to sort of he was very kind of um emotional i think and i think he was going through a lot of a hard time because he they, his contract with them was was due yeah. to expire and he didn't know whether they, they were going to renew Do you it think or they not yeah uh, they really i think they would have done because they trusted him and they wouldn't have known who else to trust but they probably wouldn't have given him he would have had so much control over them because they were starting to kind of you know yeah. be independent by that point they kind of they you know rock and roll had grown up by by that point and they'd have probably gone you know what we sh you know you Brian, you can take care of this part, but we don't want you taking care of this part. It's probably been something like that. Yeah. Uh, but he was worried about it, and he loved them, like I say. I mean, literally, with John Lennon, I think. He's sort of in love with him, probably. Yeah. Um, and um, so he's really insecure about that. He's doing a ton of pills and stuff. Um, and I think he had the gay thing. I can't even remember. Because he's still in the closet at that point. Yeah. I mean, he wasn't officially you know, admitting to being homosexual. So, you know, he's leading this double life. I mean, I don't know if it had mattered or not, but it might have done. It might have been a bit of a scandal if it had come out. But, I mean, anyway, he was worried about yeah, it. it. Would have been nice so he's leading this double yeah. life, sort of pretending he's this one thing, and then meanwhile he's off to these little gay orgies on the side and doing loads of pills, and, you know. So his life was sort of falling apart at that point. And that's when he went off to get, a, get away to uh, in the country for a couple of days, and then... I think he's rung up someone to join him, some young boys or something like that, and they didn't show up. So, he's, you know, the, the official version is that he's feeling very lonely, depressed, you know, rejected, and uh, took an overdose. But you never know with these things. And there's, you know, a lot of them, there's all sorts of shit that goes on this stuff. And it's it's possible it's something else could have been involved. It's, it's kind of murky on, on uh, I can't remember exactly all the details on how they found him and stuff, but it was kind of, um, it could have been, it could have been something else. I think there are people who think he might have been bumped in the, you know yeah um well it's also like whether it's accidental whether it's might have been bumped off well that that that's what i was sort of getting at i think there's sort of there's some implications but it's really whether it's accidental or, or sort of deliberate why would it I, be, I don't think it would have been deliberate why would it be think it would be deliberate what what were the theories i can't about remember i mean it, you know it's just that world is you know so it's a mafia really yeah. i mean there's a gay mafia talking of that sort of stuff i mean they're all gay all but the a gay mafia doesn't mean mafia yeah but you can get sort of all sorts of stuff can happen you can get some dodgy characters who try to take advantage and you know especially when it's illegal you know, and they blackmail people. Yeah, yeah true. So, you, you know, he, he, would, he was quite blackmailable. So, I mean, I don't know. Anything can happen. It's like the Brian Jones death. You know, you don't really know, but it, it's murky. Things go wrong. Someone, you know, get a Brian Jones someone... was supposed to be murdered, wasn't he? That, that is well, I think it's happened. the most likely yeah. thing, yeah. Same with Hendrix. I think he was possibly murdered. Why? Um, well, he had gangland connections. I mean, really serious ones with his management. Right. One half was very you know full-on gangster and there's lots of murky stuff on his death and inconsistencies with different reports as if as if it's covered up and i was hearing the theory that of michael jackson and prince being bumped off oh yeah um and the idea that madonna keeps working so furiously hard because she if she doesn't tour and you know make money then 
you know, uh, she's worth more debt. Yeah. If you get into that position, well, that's that's true. You know, yeah. you sign these contracts yeah. with these record companies, and if if you stop, well, there's a money, story about David Geffen, who John Lennon had signed to, to release Double Fantasy. Is he and still alive? Yeah, I think so. You're gonna, you're think gonna so. call him a murderer. Well, no, 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 no. They're, 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 but there's a story. I think it's in Albert Goldman's book, which is pretty scurrilous. Okay, so I, I wouldn't yeah, yeah. wouldn't necessarily take this as. Okay. as you know, definite. But that when when he uh, when he heard on the radio that John Lennon died, he said, "Yeah," and you know, rubbed his hands together because he knew he was going to make a fucking fortune on that album. Well, it's true. And, and the thing yeah. is, if you if you think about it, you've got and again, you see that talking about the status. Signed, his sales or, were going down at that point. Yeah, so that's, but Prince and Michael Jackson, if you've got them signed and they're not making a load of money, yeah. you know that if they're dead, you will make millions. Yeah, yeah. So you yeah. basically got a hit on your head. Like if Madonna stops make touring and making yeah. money, then she knows that. If well, they and also a lot of them did off, complain that they were made to be on the road and they didn't want to do it. So yeah. they, you know, we don't really know the actual what really went on. Yeah. And plus, you know, they never made any money. I mean, with Jimi Hendrix, I mean, it's really tragic what happened to the other guys. I mean, Noel Redding was at one point living, I think, in Ireland in a house as like a cottage or something with a roof that was kind of half off, and he was, he was eating pigeons he'd found for food and making homemade wine. And you know, <laughs> you go this, you know, that's in the eighties or whatever. He spent all his money on lawyers trying to get them find where their money had gone. Then, then their manager uh, died in a plane crash. Oh. oh Allegedly, I mean, we don't even fucking know if he did or not. I mean, it, it might have been whatever, but, but basically, that money vanished. No one really knows what the fuck happened to it. And that's the you know, there's a lot of money with Jimi yeah. Hendrix experience. But yeah, yeah, it's awful, these stories. It is <laughs> the most depressing episode. It's really depressing. We ever do. Yeah. So, as, we, as we're doing the most depressing episode, why don't we finish? How long have we got? Um, what oh, time God, is it? 52 minutes. Okay, well, we'll do the last sort of ten, 10 minutes. Why don't we yeah. just do the breakup of the Beatles? Breakup. B for breakup. Yeah, we're not being very sort of. Um, it's a drizzly May no no, no. what evening. I meant is we're not being very uh, chronological are we but that's the problem with doing it by alphabet that's the yeah, point I know it is I want to do it like that that's yeah, much better I'm just a good to be but uh, yeah okay break up well, I told you before my theory on the break up I think it was primarily that bit of paper they signed where uh, yeah. after Epstein died um where they, they'd previously had a thing where all four of them had to agree to everything to do anything. So if Ringo said no to anything, they went, all right, if, if you're not happy, we can't do it. So it's a great way of running a democracy in a way because you can still have one guy sort of order everyone around so long as everyone else is happy with it. So yeah. he's got to be a good dictator, you know, if it's on one song or whatever. So, and, and anyone doesn't like that song at the end of the day, they can still say, I don't want that released. Um, and they signed this paper after Epstein, Epstein died, um, which basically made it a sort of majority rules. And, yeah. and that's how they, you know, Alan Klein, they overruled Paul on that. And I think that sort of created this sudden, okay, now it's three against one rather than all four. Yeah. I reckon that was, in essence, what was the problem and what led to all the other shit. They could have probably survived it. Or they could have survived it with Epstein as well, alive, whatever. But I'd say that's at the root of it. But but also, I mean, I think it was a kind of a natural sort of thing. There were, there were lots of things they were all unhappy with. So it was 19... They did let it be. Yeah, well, they recorded... Then they recorded Abbey Road, but Let It Be didn't end up getting released until later. Abbey Road was the last right. recordings, but Let It Be, because it was kind of in a bit of this movie, it ended up coming out after they'd already basically split. So it depends. The order is, you know, like I say, Let It Be was recorded first, but it was released last. So, Right. So they recorded Abbey Road. Yeah. Uh, so they'd done the Let It Be sessions, the rooftop gig, and then they went to do Abbey Road. And everyone kind of assumes it's sort of inevitable. 
that they were going to split then, you know, because you obviously had various things. Like everyone's pulling in different directions. They're, they're all sort of, they're all having kids and stuff. And, you know, once that happens, you know, it's like suddenly music isn't the first thing in your life anymore. When you're 21, you've got nothing else. You're, you know, it's always, you know, all four of them would have said, yeah, music's my number one thing. If you'd asked them the same question in 1970, they'd have probably said, no, my kids, you know, or Yoko or whatever, or heroin, <laughs> you know, in his case, you know. You'd probably go, well, it's either Yoko or heroin. I'm not sure which. <laughs> Definitely not music, though. <laughs> or politics. Yoko or heroin. Uh, heroin, please. <laughs> Um, <laughs> you know, and so once it's no longer your first priority, then sort of, you know, having to go into the studio because, you know, George is at home with Patty and suddenly Paul says, you know, we want you to come in the studio. And George is, oh, God, i got to drive to fucking London, you know, yeah. to, to do. I'm not, my, my, my accent's getting worse as that time goes. <laughs> so I can't actually do a George one if I put my mind to it. And I can sort of see it starts to kind of go, you know, you know, I've done that in my well, life. George, I remember George saying, I heard him talking about saying that, you know, when he when he's in the when he's in the room with the Beatles he's just George when yeah. he's in a room with anyone else he's a Beatle yeah. he's so yeah. important yeah. when he's with them he's just like you know yeah and it's a good thing and a bad thing really because they were the only ones that weren't in awe of each other mm. and and you know literally the only ones on the planet that weren't in awe of each other yeah. and they literally remembered and all Ringo's their early days a fucking Beatle and he walks in a room you know I know things. yeah yeah um, when was the last time? So, what was the last? But, time but the they thing were... is, they even assume that. So, it's, you know, it's always like this, they knew that it's going to be Abbey Road was going to be their last album, and it was you know inevitable, and then it was it wasn't said, but everyone knew it's the final one. So that's why they they pulled the stops out and really made sure that they they kind of were going to make one last great one, you know, after Let It Be, which they knew was kind of dodgy and they're still trying to rescue rescue it at the time. Let well, it's be funny you like that. I know that's so funny. Yeah, fucking masterpiece. That's funny you say that because it's not my. It's for the me. most consistent album. See, I it's completely disagree across the universe and Let It Be. I'd say I disagree I mean, on that as well. Yeah. Jesus Christ! I love this about them that whenever I don't like something, there's always someone else who loves it, and so I always go, "Well, you know that." I didn't know that was not a popular. Well, you're a Stones fan, though. Yeah, I know. I think it's their most Stonesy record, along with the White Album. I don't like it for the Stonesiness of it. I like it for the sort of Beatles, the real Beatlesiness. Yeah, well, that was the that was the idea behind it to be warts and all. That was the whole. That was the thing they they said we want the movie to be warts and all. We don't want overdubs. You know, John then was really disparaging towards George Martin. We don't want any of George Martin's shit or something. I can't really say. You know, pretty rude. You know, George Martin made all these things. Oh, we don't want any of that shit of his. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah. Thanks, John. Um, well, Across the Universe is recorded so horribly. Well, yeah, I see. I was going to say, I don't think that really fits on that one. I think that should have been on the White Album because that's when they wrote it. It's that period. And it doesn't It doesn't feel like it's sort of, you know, it's kind of, it's, it's, it's almost a flower power song almost. And suddenly it's on this really, you know, depressing-ish album. Suddenly it doesn't, it doesn't really fit it as far as I'm concerned. And mm. they struggled to get it right, that one. And they, they didn't release it initially. And then they... Phil Spector sped it up to make it sound a bit better and they went alright okay let's put it on the album but yeah, I'm pretty sure they, they kind of knew there's another it. take of it isn't there it was... uh, I think this, basically it's the same version sped up I think it's the same one they released it for the Wildlife there's Foundation another there's another album fucking brilliant uh? the, the, the other version that's not I the album I don't know there, really, there might really be brilliant. another version but there was basically there was one that came out on this charity album uh you know, and it was only available on this charity album. And then, then when right. it came to Let It Be came out, they, 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 Phil Spector kind of revived it and added some effects and sped it up, I think. And, right. But I, I think he sped it up. What did he slow it down? He sped it up. And um, I, to me, it just doesn't feel like it's, it's recorded in the spirit. It doesn't feel like it's got that happiness in there. But it's, but it's a great stunning song. Stunning song. Yeah, it is amazing. Really oh, by the way, talking of which, I mean, that, that song. I mean, one thing I find amazing is he wrote the song in one sitting. And he said... Uh, uh, I'm, I'm getting mixed up with a couple he wrote in one sitting but he basically said the whole thing came to him in one go and when that song when you think of that apart from being a real masterpiece as a song it, yeah. it's, you know, it's extraordinary in the lyrics but the, to get the music and the lyrics that all in one like half an hour or something it's just like mind blowing it's just like because it's so unusual as a song as well, all the, the times and the lengths of, sort of the, the unusual bars but it, it sounds so perfect 
Um, and it's like, how does that come to you? And it's a song about inspiration in a way, and words f- flowing through the universe and whatever. It's like a song about inspiration that was, was came from inspiration. Yeah, it feels like that. Um, By the way, sorry. Music, just- music critic Richie Unterberger of All Music said the song was one of the group, group's most delicate and cosmic ballads, blah, 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 blah. Um, uh, where's this? Oh, there's a... Hold on. Talk. I want to find this a um, bit of this. Well, review okay. Of I'll quickly just say about the ending is that this assumption with Abbey Road that it was the last album they all knew. Found it. it. Stop. Okay. Uh, music critic Ian McDonald was critical of the oh, song, Ian yeah. calling Great. it a plaintively babyish incantation and saying <laughs> its vague pretensions and listless melody are rather too obviously the products <laughs> of an a- of acid grandiosity rendered gentle by a sheer <laughs> exhaustion. <laughs> the review for your second album, Shark Sandwich, was just two words: shit sandwich. It's like one of them, isn't it? I mean. <laughs> This preponderous collection of religious rock star songs. <laughs> you know the Spinal Tap one? I'm I quoting Spinal Tap I, I do know. I've seen it. I'm not, I'm, I'm question, not obsessed with Spinal on Tap. Which, I've seen which it day did the Lord create Spinal Tap and could he not have rested on that day also? Um, yeah, I love these really horrible reviews. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. But that's the thing with them. It's like, you, I, I, don't, I can't believe it. I think Mar- um, that was Ian McDonald wrote that review. Yeah. He also slagged off Paperback Writer and said it was just an exercise and could they write a song with mainly round one note. To um, me, it's just a masterpiece. Really? Song. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, well, for me. And it's, but it's, that's always funny that, you know, the ones I don't think are my favourite, I always know someone who loves them. Yeah. really loves them and and the ones I don't like is let it be sorry the ones I do like someone else fucking hates is let it be considered their less good album the scrappiest yeah it's, it's really funny because I remember list, I decided to listen to the every single album on iTunes I decided to go through every single oh, really, album yeah. Just to listen to each other, and I remember going, "Oh well, let it be." Is obviously the ma- masterpiece. Yeah, really funny. And I remember telling people, and people, what? Well, I always think That's- it's funny that you know what's considered their worst album contains "Let It Be" across the universe. I can't think what else is Get on back. it. Get back. That's your worst album. Yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah, wow, you know, and, and all the others are pretty good, but yeah. it's just in comparison to their others. It's, oh, the, it's, it's really the scrappiness fun. of it that I find a bit. You know, Maggie May. You know. Oh, yeah. dirty Maggie, mate. Yeah, it's kind yeah. of a bit like I don't really want to hear that every time. And you just think it could have been cleaned up and made a lot more. I just think a lot of the other albums ramble a bit. I think they go, I think they're, they're mm. too long and they're too, yeah. there's a lot of, I don't know. I don't know. But I just got to say, just to finally say about the, the breakup thing, it's just, yeah. just this, that there is this assumption that just Beatle Law, that they knew that they were going to end at that point. It was inevitable. And then this tape came out recently. This is um, Mark Lewison who wrote Tune In, yeah. where he found a, a recording. I think Ringo was absent, but it's a cassette recording where they recorded it because they knew Ringo was absent at the meeting and they wanted him to know of their plans to do another album after it. <clears throat> And which which not only kills off that idea, right? But they're also trying to work it out how they could do it because they knew that each one had sort of issues with sort of their lives, and they wanted to make sure it wasn't going to be a problem. And they actually had a thing where they said, "We want to give three songs each, including to sorry, maybe four songs each. I can't remember, including four to to George." And they were insistent, so the same number of songs for them, for George, as for John and for Paul, which shows that they were not sidelining George, as everyone always argued. There's lots of other reasons to think they weren't sidelining George, but again, it's one of those myths that, oh yeah, yeah George left because he's writing tons of songs, they wouldn't do them. Not true, there's no real evidence of this. And and this really kills that rumour off, that they actually wanted to give him the same number of songs as themselves. And they also said one for Ringo if he wants it, I think that was part of the deal. Yeah. Uh, but that was really so like my god I'd never even heard that and that was only fucking a year ago it came out this story that they, they were actually planning another album so you know wow. it's crazy isn't it? when was yeah. the last time they were all in a room together probably I think oh god I think it was just after the last session was to fi- fix a song for I think it was 
for you blue or something to fix the overdubs for for one of the the let it be sessions. I think it's just after more or less fucking 1970, like after just around New Year's Day, almost like maybe a right. month after or something like that. But I think it's only three of them. So I think the last time the four of them were actually in a room while well, playing was just before. So they never really played. They they literally ended before 1970. It's amazing wow. that it was just yeah. I don't think they ever did a session together after 1970. They were a 60s band, you know. Yeah. Even though the album came yeah, out yeah, in 70, yeah. I think that's correct. They were until free as the birds. <laughs> And I can't fucking wait. Like the for three fools. I hated it when they called them that. It's like, well, they should have called themselves the Fabs for that. I thought it would have been much oh, better. But to call it the Beatles was like, no, don't call it the Beatles. It, I love, that, I love that. When you, 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 most people don't remember the fucking Beatles like reunited and recorded a new song. Well, they didn't really, though, did they? Well, John wasn't there, but essentially, yeah, uh, kind of a bit of a big one. That I know, but, it's, but you know, Bill dead. Wyman ain't in the beat in the Rolling <laughs> Stones anymore. <laughs> yeah. Like I mean, Brian Jones' ashes in the room. I mean, it looked quite the same, isn't it? Well, it's not quite. Well, I think it's better, but um, I actually prefer. There, there must be somebody. There must be someone in the world who actually thinks the Beatles. <laughs> that was their best, that was their best period. There probably is. There will be. And they, they really, really nailed yeah, yeah. it. If only they just birth. done that all along. They'd be really big. <laughs> if only John wasn't there. They... Right, should we stop? Yeah. Okay. Right. Bye. Thank you. Bye.